Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking, where I'll be talking with Dr. Jeffrey Putt about helicopter parenting. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also by Old Trail School. In addition to a challenging academic experience, students age 2 to grade 8 learn to embody the school's core values of respect, responsibility, goodness, and service as they mature into thoughtful, independent leaders. Dr. Jeffrey Putt is a licensed clinical psychologist who joined Akron Children's Hospital in 2009 and has also treated patients in private practice through Child and Family Psychological Associates in Cuyahoga Falls. Dr. Putt holds a Doctor of Psychology degree from the University of Indianapolis and serves on the faculty of the Northeast Ohio Medical University as an Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and an Assistant Professor of Psychiatry and Psychology. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm so glad that you came. Thank you so much. And, you know, we were just talking about this topic a little bit, helicopter parenting. I threw a question out there. What are some topics on parenting um, that you you might want to hear about? And several people said helicopter parenting. And I hadn't done a show on that yet. And so I think... um, I said, let's do it. So that's great. So thank you so much for being here. I guess just to start out, you know, what is, how would you define or describe helicopter parenting? Well, it's actually something that's been around for a long time. I think anyone who uh, has had parents have been over-involved in their life (laughs) know know that. Um, If you think of over-involved parenting, that's basically what helicopter parenting is. The term was actually coined in 1969. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, but it became popular in the early 2000s when uh, college admissions folks started noticing that parents were calling in and they were asking all these questions and they, they started seeing this trend of why are all the parents calling yeah. in? Where are all the students? Why are the parents asking all the questions? And that's really where this term was born. And like tiger moms or helicopter parents, you know, once a term you know, catches on, then it becomes a little bit more popular. But the the term uh, has has uh, become more popular, but the concept has been around for quite okay, some time. Okay, right, just has this name to it. And mm-hmm. I didn't really realize even that the term helicopter parenting had been around, you know, quite some time. Now mm-hmm. there's like lawnmower parenting, you know, there are all yeah. those kind of different names that come out. Um, so how does that differ? It's just more, it's just overly involved, you know, like too much. Kind of. So th- there's 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 really three different ways that a helicopter parent could, those air quotes, sorry, I guess that, <laughs> I guess that doesn't really work on a podcast. I've, the, the idea is, uh, the first is over-involved in the area of information. So a helicopter parent is voracious in, in their gathering of information. This is the parent who has all the grade information. They're, they're constantly involved in uh, getting the grades, the schedule, the locations, the accomplishments, all the decision-making. They have all the information, like every every possible morsel detail of information that could could be gathered. They know it. They have it. You mentioned something. They've already talked to the they coach twice about, about it. it. Okay. They know it. <laughs> um, the second is uh, direct intervention. These are the, the parents who, instead of letting a child deal with a conflict with their friends, their roommates, their teachers, their later bosses, <laughs> spouses, other people. Um, these parents um, will intervene. They will go to the teachers and solve the conflicts. They will go to the other students and say, you know, why did you say this to oh, my, my child? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Dir- sure the kid likes that. The, uh, <laughs> well, you know, in, so- in some ways they do because a lot yeah. of times these children haven't learned the That's social true. skills. They necessary. Have the skills. And so if a kid's picking on you or if you're not doing well in a class and you don't know how to, 
if you don't have the skills to deal with it and your parent comes in and fixes it for you, in, right. in some ways you don't really mind. And then the, the third way is sort of autonomy limiting. So this is the third thing a parent does, uh, a helicopter parent. And that's basically where they don't let you, they're very controlling and they basically uh, don't support you. They don't let you make your own mistakes. You know, uh, a child might say, you know, they don't let me live my own life. Mm-hmm. They're They're kind of they, they are setting the path for me and not letting me set my own path. Hmm. So those are sort of the things that would really define what a helicopter parent is. And how do you think somebody, you know, what are the reasons someone becomes a helicopter parent? You know, is it like maybe just out of fear? Obviously, it probably maybe stems from a good place. Like they think they're helping when actually they're not. I mean, is it just kind of they just feel like the kid can't do it? They want to do it right or you know what I mean? Like why do you, how do you think someone gets that way? We don't want our kids to fail. Yeah. You know, you, you, you have failed. You have seen. You know the right way. And so seeing your child get a bad grade, seeing your child struggle, stumble, have some of those difficulties, when you know better, all you have to do is a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and the next thing you know, your child can do better. That's why. We intervene because okay. we want our children to be successful. Right. So it comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. It's just not... It's not the best for the kids. It's usually with the best of intentions. Yes. yes. So how do you, okay, so it's hard, I think, as a parent where it's like to to not cross that line. Well, I I am just trying to help them or I am trying to help them learn from my, because I I know that, you know, if they do this, they're going to fail. So I'm just going to avoid that for them. And, and, or I'm just going to help them a little bit with this. Or how do you know? It's just, like I said, I think parents struggle with that line of like, you know, helping your kids because that's what parents do and should do in some ways. But then you've crossed that line to the helicopter parent where it's actually going to be detrimental to them. Yeah. So like, where's the line between helping and doing it for them? Okay. You know, where's the line between oversight Mm -hmm. and over-involvement? And you start looking at it. And so let's use homework as an example. If you've got a homework problem, it's okay to check them. And if they got them wrong, you don't say, you know, you got that one wrong. It's actually 14. Okay. You say, you know, look at this one again and see if, if you can figure out what you did wrong. Okay. So you're still teaching them to, to, to go through the process. Now you've pointed out which yeah. one was wrong and you're, you're helping them narrow it down. Instead of saying one of these is wrong, figure out which one. I mean, you, uh, right. You, then they have sa- to look at all, yeah, you know, you're saving problems. them time. Yeah. You're helping them to focus, but you're still letting them go through the process okay. of problem solving. Being more involved would be doing it for them. Being pretty involved would be like, no, you do it this way. So a good step would be letting, you know, pointing them out, not letting them necessarily fail, but also giving them the benefit of the experience of problem solving themselves. That's good. Okay. A helicopter parent might just do do it it for them. Right. It's not, it's wrong. So I'm going to just do it or I fixed this. I went ahead and fixed this for you. And along the lines of homework. Yeah. So even with like editing a paper, you know, my kids will ask me, some English teacher, you know, can you look at this for me? Can you edit this for me? Which I don't mind, but you know, is rather than me just doing it or changing it, I try to say, you know, this, you know, you want to reword this because, and I tell, you know, would tell them why, but I don't reword it for them. Just kind of point out. Yeah, we do maybe things. You should we do things differently if we know someone's going to be changing it or someone's going to come in and save us? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times if a child knows that if they pause long enough mm-hmm. or struggle hard enough or they wait just long enough to tie their shoe, <laughs> that a parent comes in and and does it for them. And I I use that example because this applies to all ages. Yeah. Then 
if the parent swoops in and does it for them, they don't have to. Yeah. And so they've learned that really quickly. And so if I can not write as good of a paper mm-hmm. and you edit it for me and then it's less work for me, right. in the end, that's even better. That's a great point. Rather than like you're saying, just maybe it's okay to say you might want to reword this part or add to it. You know what I mean? You don't have enough in your introduction, but not telling them what yeah. to put. Yeah. Helicopter parenting usually doesn't involve that growth and discussion. Okay. So, so there's parenting styles, mm-hmm. and parenting styles, there, there's three main styles. So there's permissive, which is do whatever you want. <laughs> there's um, authoritarian and authoritative. So, so when we're looking at the different parenting styles, one of the styles is sort of like logical consequences. I want you to, to understand why. I want you to learn from your mistakes. The other is, you know, when I say jump, you say how high. And there are pros and cons to those. A helicopter parenting style is more the you do it, I'm going to tell you what to do, and you do it that way. And you say, well, that doesn't seem like a good style, but in some ways it can be very beneficial. For example, would you want a military where it went out and they're like, you know, let's learn from our mistakes as we go. Let's take some time to stop. And, uh, you know, as we're in the middle of it, let's, let's, you know, see, let's try it this way. No, no. There's some benefits to doing it that way. And, you know, there's some, ben- some, some benefits to a helicopter parenting approach. Uh, children who have parents who are over-involved um, have kids who graduate from college at about a 34% rate versus a 30% rate. So there are some benefits to that. But then there's also some detrimental effects to that, too. So, I mean, it really is a trade-off depending on you know, what your goals are. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just asking this. I'm not, I don't know, obviously expertise, but maybe it's certain situations maybe would call for maybe a little bit more involvement, but others not, you know what I mean? So maybe it's not, you know, I know some parents, if they would be called, you know, quote unquote helicopter parent, it's like every single thing they have to be in the mix, you know, kind of like, yeah. And like navigating it for their kid like they're the puppet master you know Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing um and so maybe for a certain situation it may help or maybe get the kid started but I feel like you know like kind of like you're saying they're just in everything because they don't want it to be messed up you know they want their kid to fail yeah if the child asks for your help that's different but that's not what we're talking about (laughs) right 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 these are situations where the child doesn't you know (laughs) and 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 what we end up with it's called maladaptive perfectionism, but it's sort of a paralysis. And what happens is the child then becomes so afraid of making a mistake that, they, you know, that they're so afraid of getting it wrong that they just they do what the parent says and then they're afraid of giving the wrong answer. And they, they build up this anxiety inside of themselves. They build up this, you know, this fear of being wrong, fear of letting the parent down, fear of not getting the grade. And so that's one of the, the negative consequences that comes from this. Yeah, that's that's very true. I'm just thinking, you know, if you're doing that, obviously, throughout your child's whole life. Then what happened? And, you know, you mentioned their boss. I'm like, is is a mom, like, actually calling the kid's boss? Like, I mean, does that happen? <laughs> you know, like, what? so what's the kid going to do later then? Well, you know, you think about, you know, um, into adulthood. You know, the, the um, I, I think of that, that children's book, um, Love You Forever. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, where the, the mom crawls into the window and is, like, <laughs> rocking the grown man. And it's, it's absurd. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, and, and the picture is absurd. But think about how many grown parents are basically telling spouses 
how to do all kinds of things mm-hmm. as it pertains to the husband in a relationship. Yeah. You know, and I, I would mean, never do that. I don't know, but <laughs> there are all kinds of examples of how yeah, boundaries true. are crossed yeah. because of the the lack of that establishment of that autonomy. Yeah. And is it more, do you think also some of it is just like, obviously like the need for control. And like you said, because then, you know, like maybe the parents thinking, at least I know it'll be done right. You know, I can't, if, if I leave them to do this homework, it's going to be a mess. So at least if I do it, they're going to get, you know, they'll be fine. They'll get the good grade, which in turn will help them do well in school. You know, they think, but they're obviously they're not because it's hindering them more so. So what does a helicopter parent kind of look like at different stages, maybe like preschool, you know, school age, high school, college, you know, that kind of what does it look like at those different stages? You know, there's a variety of things. So, you know, in uh, preschool times, you know, that's the kid who never really ends up tying their own shoes and, you know, is in those. crow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is in, in those situations where, you know, they're they're um, actually saw this just the other day where um, I actually made the statement, you know, let her cut her own meat. Like, you know, the, 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 there's a there's a point where a child can cut their own meat yeah. and, and they won't unless like they're not gonna if you if you have someone who's going to cut your meat for you. You're going to let them do it, you know, but there's a lot of things like that where if a parent does everything for you, you don't. And when so you see a lot of that where where parents take over everything from, you know, bathing to to cutting the food to to, I mean, literally all of the self-care behaviors to all of the everything. Um, So you see that a lot at the early stages In in the school age, you know, you see a lot of the basic school behaviors and they do everything for them. Um, one of the biggest things that you see is, you know, communication with a teacher right. is usually what, you know, we, we meet with the teacher at the beginning, we're going to have a great school year, everything, sign up for a class or two, we're going to have a field trip, and then maybe you have a parent-teacher conference. A helicopter parent is usually the one who is, is uh, marked by someone who has an incredibly um, regular level of contact with the teacher. Okay. I mean, like they are like they're, they're emailing the every nuts. day. Yeah. They're in the classroom every day. They are there. Their FaceTime with the teacher is is just at a high level. Um, that would be a good example of something that you would see there. College, um, one of the things that you're going to see there is, you know, they're driving which colleges you're choosing. They're okay. calling the admissions officers <laughs> and asking the questions. Well, what if this elective? And what if... You know, well, what if she does this volunteer opportunity? And well, what if we apply in the and you you start hearing words like, what if we apply we. <laughs> in the spring? Well, what if we defer this? And well, what if we do this? And you start hearing that language. You start, you know, on the tours, the child's hanging back and the parents asking all the questions. Oh. And so you can see some of those markers just even in the physical way uh, that that they interact. Yeah, and it's I think it's hard. You know, I've always tried. Um, and I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a couple of things like, oh, you know, I've done, you know, probably wrong. But I have always tried to have my kids like when specifically, you know, communication with the teacher, like you ask or a coach, you email or talk to them first about it. Then obviously, if there was a certain, you know, certain situations where a parent would need to get involved, that's fine. But you took out, you, you handle it first and then let me know how it goes. And then we'll go from there. And obviously like, I mean, every time that's, it's been fine, you know, um, 
unless it's just like they can't communicate, you know, well or something, then I'm like, you you can ask. But I really have tried to do that with my kids, even since elementary school. Um, and I think that's really helped them, just their maturity levels even, just being able to communicate with adults even. I have I see a lot of kids who just can't communicate, you know, with adults, and they just probably don't ever do it. It's advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's getting your wants and needs met. It's using assertive language. It's being able to... Um, Use good communication skills in a, in a number of ways. And if you don't teach those, they're social skills, but those are skills. And skills are taught. You know, they're not innately, uh, you're not born with them. So social skills are taught. And if we don't, if the parent does all those things for a child, and you said doing wrong, it's not wrong. It's <laughs> we want our kids to yeah. be successful. We just have to, it's hard. We, you know. We want them to be safe, too. Yeah. So a lot of times we do these things to keep them safe. We want them to not miss the deadline for a field trip or whatever. So sometimes we're we're doing that because we're more involved because we don't want them to miss out or we want it to be on time or we want things to be right. There's nothing wrong with being involved, involved, including them. All that's fine. We're talking about over-involved. Okay, right. We're talking about yeah. not letting them make decisions. We're talking about doing it for them. We're talking about a different level. That's good. I'm glad you made that point because you're not at all saying, you know, not to be involved with your kids and be part Please of everything you're involved. doing. Please be involved. Right. That's, Absolutely. Yeah, that's beneficial for the kids, but just overly involved. We're going to take a quick break. I'm here from our sponsor. We're going to come back, continue talking with you about helicopter parenting. Old Trail School is a co-educational independent day school serving children age 2 to grade 8. Located in the heart of Cuyahoga Valley National Park, its 62-acre campus provides the perfect setting for purposeful, intentional curriculum and a meaningful student experience that gets children outside and brings the park in, all while focusing on the school's core values of respect, responsibility, goodness, and service. For 100 years, Old Trail School has inspired the best and brightest young people in the region and is committed to fostering a distinctive culture where each child feels known and cared for. Call 330-666-1118 to schedule a personalized tour or learn more at oldtrail.org. And we are back talking with Dr. Putt about helicopter parenting. Um, You were just saying before the break, you know, do be involved, but it's just when there's that line of just overly involved and doing everything for them. Some of the things you mentioned earlier when you're talking about younger kids, you know, cutting their meat, tying their shoe, helping with baths, all those kind of things. As you were saying that, it made me think, um, I I I would guess some parents probably do that because, I mean, is my own life. It's sad when my kids didn't need me to do that stuff anymore. Like it's, that's the goal. And so obviously you, I want them to be confident and self, you know, they can do all that, but it is like, oh, you know, like a little like, oh, you know, you don't want me to do that. You don't need me. So, but I know that that's the goal. So I let them do that. But I'm wondering, you know, maybe some parents, it's just, it's too hard for them to kind of let go. You know, they want to be needed. And so they feel like, oh, no, this kid, you know, my son or daughter, they don't need me now. So you kind of keep keep doing that, kind of keeps them younger, so to speak. I, I get it. Yeah. And as a parent, I get it. And I remember how heartbroken I was when my, my daughter stopped saying hostable. Uh, you know, so, you know, the, there are things that as, as your children grow and develop, you start you start feeling that way. But... Think of the message you're sending. When you're when you're overly involved, you're saying, I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you to do it on your own. I don't trust you to do it right. I don't trust you to ever get it right. I don't trust you to learn it. 
in a way where you can do it independently and successfully. Our job as a parent is to take this creature who can do very little. It's kind of a helpless blob on the ground, right? The children, infants have very little innate ability at the beginning and to move them from complete dependence to independence. And when you're doing everything for them, you're really kind of letting them down in that area. Yeah, you can make a great argument, you know, 34% versus 30% with college. <laughs> I mean, you can say they have these, but are you really teaching them to be more independent and decision-making and to be assertive and to have those skills necessary? And so that's the part where, you know, maybe, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. No, no one wants to see that, you know, my daughter right now is involved in so many activities, it's crazy. And every time I see this, she's becoming more and more independent. And I see her do all these things, and part of me is incredibly proud of her, and part of me is incredibly sad that she's doing all these things and doesn't need me to do them. And so I completely understand that push-pull, and it's emotional, but that's our job. That's right. Mm-hmm. You just have to keep that in mind, right? And so I'm glad that you you said, you know, hey, you're in the same situation, and it is emotional. It can be sad, but that's right. That's our job. That's the that's the end game here, so that they are able to be confident and you know, social skills and strong, and you know, able to do assertive and all those kind of things um, on their own. And it's okay, you know. You mentioned before, you know, we don't want them to fail. So, um, and let me ask you this: What is your what do you think about <laughs> taking up? you know, the forgotten lunch or the forgotten homework. And I have done that. And I'm not saying that I will never do it again. <laughs> but what do you think about what do you think about that? I think it, <clears throat> it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. It depends on what rules you've established. So, you know, what have you said before? Um, for example, I took my daughter her lunch the other day. Oh, good. But, <laughs> but – that was the first time yeah. she she's in high school. That was the first time she'd ever forgotten her lunch. I didn't feel bad at all. And exactly. I would do it again because she's super responsible. Yes. Okay. Now, if this is a pattern or if she didn't say thank you or if she showed no remorse. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. Okay. It's about personal responsibility. It's about that piece of it. Okay. So if you've established the rule, so, I mean, there's something to be said for logical consequences. So if you've established a rule and you've done it multiple times and they don't seem to care and they don't say, then, you know, there might be a logical consequence to that. Right. You just don't have it. Okay. That's good because I like that. It's not just like this where you don't have this hard, fast rule. Don't do that. Um, you know, don't ever do that because like you said, it depends on the kid and the situation. Same thing. I've done it probably well, I'm just thinking from, from, you know, three of my kids so far, probably a couple times only, you know, where it's like they just, oh, it's right on the table. I, I forgot it. You know, they have all these things they're trying to get. So I didn't feel badly about that either because it's not a pattern and they do have all these other things they're trying to remember. But right, like you said, if it was all the time or yeah. if it's just like the, or if they don't even try to be organized because they know you're just going to exactly. do it, then that's different. If they look at it, there's an expectation that you're going to bail them out. That's different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if there's yeah. just that 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 expect that would be a completely different situation for me, and so th- that would be how I would approach it. But I mean, it's really you're you're also giving them a different lesson, and you're teaching them a different lesson. You're teaching them that we all make mistakes, and you know, you ex- a you made a mistake, so you apologize, you accept personal responsibility. You maybe brainstorm about how maybe that doesn't happen the next time. Could you use a post-it note, a visual clue or cue? Could you put something on your bag? So it's an opportunity to try to not 
have that happen in the future. So I wouldn't be negative or or say anything if this is something that's not a regularly occurring behavior. Okay. I think some parents are really hard on a kid who makes a mistake. Yes. And then I think, have you ever forgotten your keys or your badge right. or turned around because you didn't have your bag in your car or something? We all make mistakes. And if we can't teach kids that making mistakes is fine, but you own them and you apologize for them and you find a way to try to minimize the likelihood of that occurring again. That's the point of learning from our mistakes. And when we talk about helicopter parenting, kids don't get the opportunity to learn from their mistakes because everything's done for them. Super important. Yeah, I love I love everything that you just said, and I, I'm on board with that 100%. And right, I'm just thinking, you know, everyone jokes around about you know, the the parent who, you know, there's always a parent who tries to, you know, walk the kid in the first day, you know, and like take them to the brink, carries their stuff to their locker and wants to, you know, not, no, I think a lot of people, we do that, you know, before school starts, you know, you go and maybe find their locker and stuff, but like, you know, they're, they're I always hear a story of a teacher having to say, uh, you know, <laughs> here's where you get out, kind of, you know, that kind of thing. And that's just too much, you know. Again, though, you know, we've been there. So, yeah. you know, it, the hugs and kisses line, you know, yeah. this, and, you know, schools respect and understand that. Yes. And so that's why they have you come in and drop off the that's stuff. Right. And there, there is much acclimating the child to the school and classroom as the, the, the parent getting prepared and primed for saying goodbye. <laughs> and they're in a safe environment. Yeah, and here's the tea. Mm-hmm. We know where you're going to be. And so it's part of that preparation process for both. both. Sides. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. They're like, the kids are usually just, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's my desk, you know, but the parent, um, and it's yeah. it's good. I mean, it's it's important to respect the emotions of it and say it is hard. Yeah. You know, dropping a child off somewhere is hard. It is difficult. And, you know, whenever you do that, you know, as as someone when you see someone doing that, you know, it's a difficult thing, but it still has to be done. There has to be a separation that isn't going to then be more traumatic for the child. Say, OK, this is what you, you're going to learn here today. And then I'm excited to hear about what you've yes, learned. Yes, I always, you know, I joke with my youngest daughter, like, oh, I'm going to miss you so much. You're not going back jokingly, you know. And she'll say, like, oh, I don't, you know, what are you going to do when I'm not home? You know, I'll joke around, like, oh, I'm just going to stay in my bed and cry. She knows I'm joking. But I said, no, you know what? I'm so excited for you because you're going to have so much fun and just remember all the funny stories so that when you get home, you know, you can tell me. So I'll just be excited to hear, you know, about your fun day. Mm-hmm. So that I don't want her thinking, I'm. She, we joke, you know, she knows I'm joking. Mm-hmm. But I don't want her also thinking, oh, no, like feeling guilty. You know, my mom's missing me the whole day and I'm having fun. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. I'll have plenty to do and I will be missing you, but I'll be waiting to hear your fun stories. Yeah, and that's where you can even give her, okay, you know, I want you to meet someone new today. Tell me one new person that you met. I want to hear all about it. So now you've given her a job and kids always love having jobs and then she can tell you about it. And so you've got that thing to share. And so that's usually a positive. Yeah, that's good. All right, we're going to take another quick break and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And we are back talking with Dr. Jeffrey Putt about helicopter parenting. I love your perspective on the whole thing. I really, really do. Just because you're, you know, and you you can come at it as a parent also. So you're not just like this hard, fast, you know, don't ever do anything for them. You know, you're logical, you're emotional about it as well. But you're like, but, but here's what needs to be done or not, 
you know, doesn't need to be done to help them succeed. So I really love your perspective on it for sure. So what are some, um, you know, maybe longer term, you know, effects of having a helicopter parent? You know, we know about, you know, like in school and all that, but like, are there some maybe down the road even, um, I would imagine it would probably carry over to their job and their relationships even later. Yeah. So, um, that was one of the things in, in general, um, there's a lot of evidence that, that kids who have helicopter parents tend to be less self-confident. Um, and there's, uh, information, uh, that's been around for a long time that says they tend to be more anxious. Uh, so those are things. I, I also, just to, to brush up and see if there was new information I was looking, there's there's a lot of information um, th- that's been coming out a little bit more recently about um, just the, the whole idea of being less open to new ideas. And what, what's, what's interesting about that is, so you're in a situation and you're coming up with a solution. You know, you come up with that solution and that's the solution. Where... Whereas someone else might go, okay, that's one solution, or here's another way to do it, or we could scrap all of that and come at it from this perspective. And so when you're, when you're taught to, to, you know, really question things and challenge things and problem solve and have that sort of mentality of, I got to figure it out, you tend to have a really good structure and a good problem solving mechanism. When someone just tells you how to do it, they give you the answer or they put the answer down for you. You don't have that. So you either have the answer or you arrive at the answer and that's it. So you don't really have a great process of coming up with a bunch of different ways. That look, and so so your problem solving ends up being very kind of unidimensional. Yeah, you don't have that yeah. higher level thinking, yeah. you know, I would imagine. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's that's a really sort of interesting um, uh, outcome that I thought was... was yeah. And then, re- and then less open to some of those other suggestions and ideas too because you become a little bit more rigid and black okay. and white. And, kind of like a robot, kind of like this is just how it is or like, yeah, this has all been done for me. Uh, very Not self-critical, open. that's mm. another thing, just... You know, that kind of goes back with that. Uh, I was talking a little bit before about that perfectionism, you know, afraid of making mistakes, but also very self-critical, you know, very, you know, because you're, you're always, you're feeling like you're not good enough and you can't make those choices on your own because everything is done for you. And obviously you're not trusted enough to make those decisions or get the right answer yourself. So you're very self-critical. Critical and that that self doubt is is very very high. Yeah, so, yeah. So those are the those are the biggest. It makes total sense. Like you said, if you if you're you you the kid would feel I'm not good enough or whatever because I can't do this. My mom or dad, they have to do everything for me. They don't trust me. Like you said, to do it, um, even if it's not done their way, you know I can't do it. I'm not good enough to do it. So then, right then, here come their insecurities and anxiety and stuff like that. So it totally fits, you know, that puzzle totally fits. So what if somebody, um, you know, they're maybe listening and they're like, I mean, and maybe it's hard for people. <laughs> Sometimes we don't look at ourselves realistically. So maybe someone's like, well, no, I don't do that at all, wherever they really do. But what if someone's like, you know, I kind of, I realize I'm doing that a little bit. You know, I, I am doing this or a lot. What are some, maybe some strategies to stop? Or maybe, maybe they're a, a new parent and they're like, hey, I don't, I may want to make sure I don't fall into this. What are some strategies? So I think really checking, are you involved or over-involved? You can ask that question. Sometimes you can you can answer it yourself, and sometimes you're too deep to get that perspective. Mm-hmm. One way you can do that is, do I have my own life? 
and and that's a that's a tough question to answer. But sometimes, if your entire life is your kids, and you can't think of anything that you do for you or with your spouse or that that feeds your soul, that might. You're yeah. too involved. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great question to ask yourself, though. Yeah. Do I have anything that's just for me? Sometimes perspective is a tough thing to gain. Yeah. And a question like that can help kind of shock you back to, wow, everything revolves around. <laughs> right. Everything is oh, all their activities or their things. And yeah. I get it. My kids are my yeah. world, too. Mm-hmm. And they're my universe. And I completely understand that. I also completely understand a parent who says, I want them to be successful. I don't want them to fail. I want them to graduate from college. Completely understand that. I also understand them saying, <laughs> I want to have all this information and be involved so that they can be on time and be, I get it. But are you letting, are you doing them a disservice? And so when we talked before about our job as a parent to move them from complete dependence to independence, Maybe that's another question for perspective and say, okay, what am I doing to grow their independence skills? What have I done recently to help my child become more independent? And so for me, I remember like I would I would make conscious like you're ordering the food tonight. Yeah. And the first time my daughter ordered Chinese food on the phone was a mess. It was it was it was terrible. And and then we talked about it and we went through okay like here's what you can do differently, here's what I liked about what you did, yeah. here's what we could change. But it was a positive learning experience and and it was a great thing for her to know what to know ahead of time, what questions they might ask, what information you need to present, what you don't need to have right away. Those experiences help move her towards independence. And so if you're asking yourself those questions, that might be a way to see if you're able to sort of, are you moving them forward or are you still smothering them a little bit with your helicopter? Yeah, those are great. Yeah, those are great questions to ask. If you can answer, you know, honestly, um, then that would kind of give you a little, in, a big indication of how involved or if you're overly involved. And, you know, if you want your kids to do well academically, they need those life experiences. They need to be able to you know, put that together with what they're learning. And if they don't have any life experiences because you're doing everything for them, you're actually, it's going to backfire and they're probably not going to do as well as they could academically even. So if your goal is, well, I'm doing all this because I want them to succeed and do well, they need to have those life experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you look at any of the really super successful people, they don't talk about failure as failure. They talk about them as learning opportunities. They talk about it as version one through however many thousand, right? <laughs> you know, I refined it and I approved it. It was this many drafts. It was this many proposals. It was this many versions until I got to the final product. So it wasn't really a failure. It was just opportunities to, to, to get better. And so that's another way for parents to maybe look at it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really helpful. I think I I learned a lot too. And I love, like I said, your perspective on it. Great um, things for parents to just be aware of. Maybe ask yourself some of those questions that you mentioned and just kind of gauge, you know, where you are. Maybe, maybe you need to back off a little bit. Maybe you don't, but I think asking yourself some of those questions and just listening to the examples that you gave um, to just, you know, be involved, like you said, but not overly involved. So there's that, there's that line there. There's that line there. So um, how can listeners contact you if they want to contact you? How can they find you? 
Um, I'm sure we can provide uh, contact information yep. for Akron Children's Akron Hospital. Children. Yep, mm-hmm. Dr. Jeffrey Putt at Akron Children's Hospital. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it so Wonderful. much. Thank you Thank for having you. me. Thank you. This episode has been sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at mazdakent.com. And also by Old Trail School. In addition to a challenging academic experience, students age 2 to grade 8 learn to embody the school's core values of respect, responsibility, goodness, and service as they mature into thoughtful, independent leaders. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com. 